we share that too, Oceanside. It's crazy. Um, but I somehow ended up in the cornfields of Indiana, southern Indiana, um, in 94. My husband Derek and I met at Calvary Chapel Bible College out in California. I attended in 92 and 93, so that reveals my age a little bit. And um, we just had a God story. The Lord just brought us together, and we got married within three months of knowing each other. Don't recommend that necessarily unless it's the Lord. <laughs> it's so far it's worked. No, it's going to keep working. So we've been married now almost 23 years, and we have four children. And I, I think I sent a picture. Do you guys have my family picture? I just thought you might want to see my, my sweeties if it's, if it's available. And today is my, okay, so this is Mother's Day um, at church. And this lady at our church had this amazing idea to set up this photo booth with like props. And it's so genius because dads can't say no to like the family picture, you know, because <laughs> it's Mother's Day, right? So um, that's my cute husband. And then my son Noah in the hat. And he, today is his 22nd birthday. So, and then Mariana is in front of him, and she is almost 14, and then Brooke is almost 19, and Josiah in front of Brooke. So that's my sweet family. Aren't they cute? <laughs> I love them. I'll keep them. And uh, my daughter Brooke is actually currently out at Calvary Chapel Bible College, and we are just praising the Lord for that. That was just an amazing um, undertaking that the Lord did in getting her there, and she's just growing and enjoying it. And of course, California is not too bad after all. So she's doing really well. Um, but I am so excited to be here with you. Um, uh, so many familiar faces that I got to sit with and talk to last year. And um, I just wanted to introduce myself to because there's lots of new faces. So it's so nice to meet you and see you guys. I'm so glad you're here. Um, Time is on her mind a lot. I'm noticing this. So for such a time as this, and last year, this, this email that you just read, that was last year's theme from Ephesians, uh, redeeming the time. So I was thinking about that. And when she told me the theme, I was so excited because we actually just taught through Esther in our ladies' study. So it was fresh in my heart and my mind, and I was so excited. So I kind of threw her for a loop, and she trusts me. So I, I came up with these three P words. I don't know. My husband does this literation thing. So I don't know. It just came to me to draw from our position, peace, and then power. And so I promise I'm going to connect that to the theme, but that's also on the front of your booklet. But uh, tonight, I wanted to just share very briefly. She said, can you just talk like 20 minutes? No problem. I can do that. Um, and I was so excited when she asked me to because I really wanted to use this evening to um, build the context for our theme verse, which comes from Esther chapter 4. Give it up for women from the scripture, right, <laughs> Esther? Love it. So Esther is uh, one of two books in the Bible that are named for a woman. And it's really a unique book. Um, it doesn't even mention God in it. Did you guys know that? Not even once. Doesn't mention God, doesn't mention prayer. 
really interesting, but I tell you, God's all over it. And we're going to find that out a little bit. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Esther chapter 4, we're going to talk a little bit about it. And it's kind of one of those books that might be hard to find. It's right after um, Nehemiah, which is kind of in the first third of your Bible. In my Bible, it's page 442. Not that that helps anyone. <laughs> but first of all, I did want to talk about time briefly. Because after all, we're bound by it. It's all around us. As she mentioned, there's clocks everywhere. And also, we are all in this period of time. And God has placed us here. And it's very strategic and very much on purpose. There was a time when I thought maybe I was meant to be more of a pioneer woman and, you know, thought about the good old days or wished I lived in simpler times. But the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I understand that He has ordained me and each and every one of you for this time right here right now where you are. And the wonderful thing about the book of Esther, though God is not mentioned, he is working. He is working in some amazing circumstances and they don't even realize it. And oftentimes we don't either. And we don't see him. And we might be in this time and especially a time of political unrest. And let's face it, who is not stressed out about the election? For such a time as this, and I don't know about you, but I don't even like to watch the news right now. I mean, it's just depressing. It's discouraging. It's frustrating. It's like, come on, can there not be better options than these two, right? Are you with me? <laughs> it's a struggle. So. I was thinking on the way here for such a time as this, that even now, even in this time, this time that we find ourselves on the, on the cuff of a political year and um, one of major unrest for all of us, that we can know for certain that God is in control. And I really thought about an interesting king um, you might know him, Nebuchadnezzar. Have you heard of him from the scripture, from Daniel? And um, for some reason, I was thinking of him because he was this proud king. He was this self-serving king. He was this ambitious king. And I was thinking, wow, there's some parallels with these candidates, you know, and Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> but yet... In Jeremiah chapter 25, the Lord calls Nebuchadnezzar my servant. And in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel says that he raises kings up and he brings kings down. So regardless of the outcome of this election year, we can know that God is on the throne and that he is working and that comforts my heart like nothing comforts my heart. So we're going to see how God is moving and working in this time of Esther, this queen. And her name means star 
Did you guys know that? You probably know that because that's your daughter's name, right? Hadassah, which is beautiful. Star. So this star comes to shine in the darkness and the Lord raises her up for an amazing work. I wanted to read a quote um, that I found regarding time. Time is characterized as this. The divinely created sphere of God's preserving and redemptive work and the arena of man's decision on his way to to an eternal destination. That's Carl F. H. Henry, and he was the first editor-in-chief of Christianity Today. He's also a theologian. I'll read it again. He said this, Time is characterized as the divinely created sphere of God's preserving and redemptive work and the arena of man's decision on his way to an eternal destination. So we are all given a sphere of time on our way to this eternal destination. And for most of us in this room, if not all, our eternal destination is secure and has already been decided because we have been bought with a price, the precious blood of the lamb. And this time period that we're gonna look at briefly tonight with Esther is a time that God was working and he was working this redemptive plan. And though he's not mentioned, his fingerprints are all over this book. And it's truly amazing to see. So this is our time, though, here in 2016. And just as Lynn read this email, which was fantastic, I was just smiling because it fits so perfectly with what I wanted to share tonight. We have the opportunity to make the most of the time that God has given us for this our time. You've been given time, you've been given a sphere of influence, you've been given your um, circle of friends, family, those you influence, and truly you're here because you want to live for God's glory, I'm sure. I can see it in your eyes. And that's what you want. You want to live it to the fullest for His glory. So we're going to seek guidance in how to live the way that God would call us to live in this our time. And so this guidance is going to come primarily as we look at this story from Esther for such a time as this. Now, the book of Esther, really, I'm so excited about this verse because I honestly, in studying it, it is the the climax of the entire book. It's the very pinnacle peak of the book of Esther when this was said. Now, there are four primary characters I'm going to talk about tonight. And really, I'm just setting up context so we can dive in tomorrow. So I'm not going to keep you long. Um, But we are going to talk about King Ahasuerus. We're going to talk about a man named Mordecai. Some may know him as Mordecai. And we're going to talk about Mordecai's um, cousin, Esther, and then also an enemy named Haman. So do you recognize those characters? Okay. Um, It's interesting because this book has been um, said to be the romance of providence. And I like that 
because that tells me that God is sovereign, but there is a love and a romance about it. And the way he goes about this redemptive work is so beautifully passionate and loving and creative. And, and the way that this story is laid out, I mean, you know, there's movies made about it. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. So a few things about the book. I already mentioned that God is not mentioned or prayer. But this is also 60 years after um, Cyrus's decree to return to the land after the Babylonian captivity. So that's the time stamp. Um, these Jews that were here in this Persian empire were out of God's will. So they had been given a decree to return to the land, and they had not. So they were out of God's will. And then we know that Esther, I mentioned, means star. So providence, J. Vernon McGee said this, providence is the means by which God directs all things, both animate and inanimate, seen and unseen, good and evil toward a worthy purpose, which means his will must finally prevail. Isn't that comforting in this our time? I'll read it again. Providence, and that's God's sovereignty, that's God working in the affairs of man, is the means by which God directs all things, both animate and inanimate, seen and unseen, good and evil, toward a worthy purpose, which means his will must finally prevail. So God always provides. Can I just give you that word tonight? God always provides provides. That word provision is to see beforehand and to provide for that which is needed. God always provides, and he is always about this redemptive work in our lives and in the lives of those that he loves and calls to himself. So really, this story in Esther And this may be kind of different to you, but this is like a parallel to the human life. And what I want to take note of tonight, and this is an idea that came, I heard it from Ray Stedman, and he's a a blessed pastor, teacher. Um, He can be found on Blue Letter Bible. Do you guys have the Blue Letter Bible app? If you don't, get it, use it. It's an amazing resource for Bible study. But his audio, I used his audio commentary when I was studying through Esther um, for the ladies' study. And he brought forth such amazing parallels in this book that were so rich. And I just wanted to share a little bit with you tonight. So number one, the king. And you can jot this down if you're a note taker. Um, This is very fascinating. King Ahasuerus. He is representative of the living soul or a living being, okay? Now, there is a difference between soul and spirit, right? And we know those primary differences. The soul is that which encompasses our inner man, our emotions, our will, whereas the spirit is that part of us that ultimately was designed to communicate and have fellowship with God. So there's a difference between the soul and the spirit. So King Ahasuerus, for our purposes, is a parallel or a parable for the living soul or the the will, the emotions of a man. 
Now, the queen, which we know God raised up Esther in a series of events, Vashti was, was dethroned and Esther was raised up in God's providence and sovereignty. And the queen, for our purposes, represents in the human life that spirit that's made alive in Christ. So different from the soul and the emotions and the will, the spirit which has now been made alive in Jesus Christ. And Mordecai, which if you don't know what his name means, it means the little man. Isn't that cute? He's a little man. And he represents the Holy Spirit. So Mordecai represents the Holy Spirit. And then Haman, and this is quite obvious, the enemy of the Jews represents the flesh. And if you know the backstory on Haman, he was an Agagite. Does that ring a bell? The Amalekites. And um, Saul was commanded to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And he was disobedient. And because of that, the flesh lived on. And it's a type of the flesh. The Amalekites are a type of the flesh in the Old Testament. And so Haman is a descendant, descendant of the Agagites, which is the Amalekites. So a type of the flesh. An enemy of God's people. Interesting, Israel means to be governed by God. So the flesh is always the enemy of God's people or the people Israel or those who are governed by God, who are led by God. So the flesh is always the enemy of those who are led and governed by God. So this parable of the human life draws such a great picture because here we have in this pinnacle of our story, and we'll go ahead and go to Esther chapter 4. That's where we are for our theme verse. And I'm going to start reading um, in verse 13. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all of the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan, and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So in this very pinnacle climax of the story, we have Esther finally yielding to the influence of Mordecai. And she is recognizing the need to yield and listen and say, if I perish, I perish. So here in this beautiful parable of the human life, we have this example of what's taking place as the spirit, which is alive in Christ, yields to the power of the Holy Spirit and is willing to say, if I perish, I perish. Whatever it is that God is calling me to do, wherever it is that he's placed me, wherever my position happens to be by his sovereign hand, I make myself willing. And if I perish, 
I perish. But I'm now coming to the place of yieldedness, of a willingness to allow God to have his way and do his thing. And, you know, this was against the law. As you may know, I'm sure you've studied this book, for anyone to go uninvited into the king's presence. And so, of course, she was fearful, and this was going to require some civil disobedience on her part. But she finally realizes, because of Mordecai's word, that maybe you were called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so that's the word that I want to give to you tonight as we enter into this weekend to hear from the Lord and to approach this weekend with the knowledge that he has a plan in place, whether you recognize it or not, whether his name is spoken in your circumstances or not. He is the one that's behind the curtains of heaven working on your behalf. Maybe you say, I'm in a godless environment, my workplace, or a godless marriage, or I have wayward children, or I'm under attack of some sort. Maybe you question your circumstances. Maybe you've made mistakes that have gotten you into the circumstances that you're in. Can I just tell you tonight that you are loved of God and his redemptive plan is at work right now, whether you see it or know it or not. These people were out of God's will. They did not obey the command to return to the land. They were in a foreign land and God was working to protect them, to redeem them and to save them. And he's doing the same thing in your life, in your circumstances, and you may not know it. You may not know how he's working, but I can assure you by his word and by his character and his name that he is present in your circumstances. He is present in this time that you've been placed, this position that you are in, wherever that is. And maybe you try to rationalize it away. I've been disobedient to the Lord. I've made poor choices. I'm here because of this. None of that. None of that this weekend. We're going to come to the Lord and we're going to let him work. And we are going to recognize that he is at work. His redemptive plan is in place in each and every one of our lives. And we can trust him for that. Do we need to have all the answers? I sure would like them. It's kind of like me today on the plane. I was, you know, as we took off, you can see the ground and you know when you go through the cloud cover and it's cloudy down close to the ground if there's cloud cover. And it's so gloomy and gray and kind of depressing when it's really cloudy, you know? and. On those cloudy days, it just affects your emotions sometimes, you know? And as we took off and we busted through those clouds, the brightest, most blinding sunshine was present. And that's how it is with God. He is shining and he is present. We may not see it, 
And we may be bound by our emotions, the cloud of our emotions or our circumstances, but his brightness and his glory are not changed by where we are or how we feel. And I want to talk about that, that this weekend in detail. And we're going to go over our position in Christ. And bear with me because I know that is so sort of fundamental and elementary. But I think that there's something to be said to go back to basics and to be reminded and refreshed and renewed in that which we already know in principle but to practice it more in our everyday life and mentality. So, you know, the pilot, as he drove through those, those clouds and he was in the clouds for a while, I just started thinking, Lord, you are the pilot of my life. I don't know where this plane's going. I have no sense of direction or how to get there. And, and I just had this sense today on the plane of, you're the pilot. You know exactly where this plane is going. He knows exactly where your life is going. And he has a plan and a purpose for it. And it's for good. And it's to give you a future and a hope and to bless your life and to encourage you so that you can shine just as Esther shined in the darkness like a star in your circumstances so that we can leave this weekend with a fresh sense of his purpose over our lives. He is sovereign. This is a romance of providence in our lives. Even when you don't see it, and even when you don't feel it, Esther was afraid. She was afraid to go forward. She, you know, God is not mentioned here. We don't know what was going through her mind. We have this vantage point of having the word of God from cover to cover. We have the full counsel of God. We know the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. We have such an advantage. They didn't have that. Just as Abraham had no idea what God was going to do. And he was given a promise. He was given a promise that he would be the father of many nations. And the Bible says that he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And you know when it was accounted to him for righteousness? Before circumcision, before the law of Moses, before any of these things, any of these outward signs of obedience or following God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Why? because he believed God and he didn't have hope. And I just read it today on the plane and tears were streaming down my eyes as I read this. I happen to be in Romans right now in my reading. And I came across this and we'll kind of close with this. this, this fresh word, it came so fresh to me. So in Romans chapter four, verse 17, it says, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's our God. He calls the things that do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, 
in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendants be listen to the grace of the new testament okay because you know the whole story of abraham but this is what the new testament says about abraham and this is what the word of grace speaks over your life as well and not being weak in faith verse uh, 19 he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Let that be said of me, but yet I know me and I'm a lot like Abraham and I try to work things out in the flesh. But the New Testament doesn't record that blunder because it's covered in grace. And so are you. And you are strengthened in faith. And that's what God is going to do this weekend is strengthen us in faith to believe in his sovereign purposes over our lives, regardless of your mistakes, your blunders, your lack of faith, your sin. God is so big and so great and so awesome, and so for you, and towards you, and with you, and upon you. And may you be blessed with that knowledge this weekend as he strengthens you to trust him right where you're at. Whatever you're dealing with, he is faithful. He is so faithful. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the goodness of your love toward us. You are wonderful. And we come to this place to bless your holy name. We trust you that you're at work. This nation is a mess, oh God, and you know. And our hearts tremble and can become fearful, but Lord, you are the sovereign king over all the earth. And we know you're, that we are yours. And so we come this weekend just to rest in that reality, knowing that we belong to you. <coughs> you have bought us with the purchase price of the blood of your own son. And if you've done that, how will you not also freely give us the rest and take care of everything that concerns us? Lord, meet us here this weekend as we come to lay our burdens down, our troubles, our trials, the things that chink at our armor and nag at our hearts and our emotions. We come to this place just to receive from you and to put our eyes on you, to set our heart gaze upon you. May you be among us this weekend and increase our faith. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. We just want to know you more. We want to know your character. We want to draw close to you and be deepened in our relationship with you this weekend. And I pray that you do that and bring yourself so much glory. <coughs> Lord, you're so wonderful, and we commit this time to you to work and to have your way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll get into it tonight.